Today, we're here to talk about the record-breaking, earth-shaking, new blockbuster from SS Rajamali, the international sensation, RRR. Welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast, episode number 78. My name is Austin Zwiebelman, and joining me tonight, we have... Tanner Richard Kraft. Brian Caversi. Tim M. Sullivan. Today's film is a fictional account based on the stories of two real-life revolutionaries, Alori Raju and Kamaram Beam. Before we talk about this modern-day masterpiece, let's all take a moment to talk about our expectations for RRR before we saw it. I can personally say that my experience with Indian cinema was extremely limited. How did you guys feel in the lead-up to seeing RRR? Tanner, you go first. So, uh, unlike you, Austin, I've actually had a lot of experience of movies from India. Not as much as I would like, honestly, but I've seen a ton of stuff over there because they probably have the second most active film industry in the world after the United States. They release, you know, a wide range of movies like every country does. Your blockbusters and your character dramas and your comedies. Some of my favorite movies from India include Three Idiots and My Name is Khan. Three Idiots is a classic. That one's like high up on the IMDb top 250. And I think it's the only Indian movie on there. At least that I can think of off the top of my head. Because, of course, most of the stuff is, you know, uh, white film, 17-year-old broke stuff. You know, I remember first hearing about RRR just because it was coming out into like a lot of theaters. It was one of the wider releases I've seen for an Indian movie over here because we get Indian movies here. But I don't know if you guys noticed this, at least in the St. Louis area. It's never any of the theaters actually in or near St. Louis. Lewis. It's always the ones that are in St. Charles or some other city that's 20 miles away that is technically in the area. Well, usually if it's closer to like charter communications where they employ people, then you can get more. My God, that makes perfect sense. My point being is that I don't see Indian movies at Ronnie's at the Esquire, at De Pair. I never see Indian movies there. One day I was just looking at movies out near me and I saw RRR at all of those theaters. So it made me realize, okay, there's something different about this one. And I slowly started seeing some stuff on Twitter or Letterboxd about how there's this awesome movie called RRR. And uh, the funny thing is that the first time I heard about it, it was in a tweet saying the MCU has no excuse because RRR looks like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for some reason, Twitter thinks I want to see MCU bashing, even though I keep saying not interested. I don't know why. Sure. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, you know, the algorithm feeds off hate. Right. But what made my expectations go from this could be the cool to oh, this is something special, is when Rain texted me after he had seen it, informing me he also gave it a 10 out of 10, five stars or whatever. I'm like, Rain never does this. When he did it for everything, every all at once, that was special. You're telling me he's doing it again? Yeah. Because you're very hesitant with it. Yeah. So I was sitting there thinking, well, shit, I got to see this ASAP. So I watched it about two and a half months later. Maybe three. (laughs) On the recommendation of rain is a powerful word to go off of. Uh, Before we get to that, though, Tim, what were your expectations for RRR? So uh, I'm kind of on your boat, Austin. I have next to no knowledge of Indian cinema. I don't think I had seen any Indian films prior to this. And like, it's not like I'm avoiding them. They've just never really crossed my path. But I kept hearing that this was interesting. I hadn't seen any trailers. I hadn't really read anything about it beyond just like things saying this movie is really good. I kept hearing that it was like something special and I was excited. That's about it. All right. 
Time for the hot LA weekly gossip. Rain, you had a whole time leading up to this thing. What were your yep. expectations for RRR? So RRR came on my radar when my roommate, he went to a screening of it. I was uh, busy at the time or something. And then when he, he went to see it, it's a very long movie, three hours, maybe even longer. So the screening he went to, it had a uh, intermission in the middle. And apparently when he went to see it, the intermission that like they screwed up and they didn't have the second half of the movie. They no. like, they play the intermission, then they had to wait like an extra like 15 20 minutes and then eventually a guy came out i was like oh i'm sorry we don't know what happened but we just we can't play the second half what yep. so they lost half of the movie yep so they all they how do you done. do that they, it's not like it's on film reels it's yeah. hard drives uh, so they got refunded. They got like free tickets to a, like a makeup screening. And then that's, I went to that screening with them. And then that's how I got to see it. Cause well, okay. The thing is when he came back, he was still like, you only saw half of me, but he was still like just glowing with praise. Like this is amazing. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, damn, I gotta go see this. In Indian cinema, they're usually called intervals. That's one of the differences is their intermissions are oh, called cool. intervals with three R's this time, you know? Yeah, um, I remember just that. Accurate. God, uh, that is the worst case of blue balling I've heard, like in a cinema sense, is only getting to see the first half of RRR. <laughs> I thought the Thor Love and Thunder, the picture went out for a bit, was bad. Or Rain and I going to see Eternals and discovering we were never supposed to buy the tickets was bad. Yeah. But they only played half the fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I got to see the first 30 minutes of Citizen Kane and then the theater shit its pants. Many such cases. My expectations for this year movie, like I said earlier, my background with Indian cinema is extremely limited, okay? I had only seen two other Indian movies over the course of my entire life like there's that meme about the Bollywood movie that they show you in film school which for me was the 2000 film I have found it uh, shown in my modern world cinema class hi Kathy then I was brought to see Pather Penkali on my own because I kept running into like greatest film of all time lists with that movie on there so I felt compelled to watch it as a film person before seeing this movie I thought all Indian movies were Bollywood movies kind of like how a lot of big budget American movies are called Hollywood movies and uh, my perception of Bollywood was closest to probably my perception of Japanese live action anime adaptations how there's like the wild physics and how often you really notice the seams on the VFX except I've had lifelong exposure to Japan Japanese media through like their animation whereas with India I mostly just got YouTube clips about how shit was popping off in random Bollywood movies like you know some dude sliding a horse under a car like it's a motor Cycle, that kind of thing. Yes! Have you seen the gif of the guy flipping the lawn chair? Oh, like no, 30 feet and then sitting into it? Oh, I'll have to send you it. It's so good. And of course, that's that, there's that clip from Roger Mooley's other film, Bahubali 2, The Conclusion, where they, they go in a big ball fucking flight yep. off of trees. Yep. Fuck yeah. So um, my expectations for RRR were basically that it was going to be cartoonish, feature some overlong musical numbers, maybe some gratuitous snap zooms. I, I didn't know shit, guys. I was very ignorant. And then I saw the reaction that the public had. Videos popping up all over YouTube to sing the praises of this movie. Videos that have since been deleted. Thank you, DVV Productions, you motherfuckers. Don't use the trailer. <laughs> all it took after that was one look at the fucking trailer and I was finally ready to move past my idiot biases. Tanner, thank you for telling me it's not a Bollywood movie on my Facebook post. It's a Tollywood <laughs> movie, motherfuckers. In fact, I was completely fucking stoked to see this. Now, we're on to the big question. What are your overall thoughts 
on RRR. We're going to start off with Rain, who gave this oh, the rare five-star review some time ago. Oh God. Let me start by saying this movie has a lot of the best of everything. For example, this has one of the best jokes ever in the big dinner scene where the racist imperialist uh, British guy, he's like, oh, I can do all these dances well, and he's doing these dances, and then it just cuts uh, quickly of one of the black band members just looking, just sheer grievance of the whole ordeal. <laughs> That's um, one of the best jokes ever. Other you had me that, rewind the movie to look at it because I had apparently missed it the first time. Yeah, I did make him. Uh, speaking of Tanner, other than him, I'd say I'm probably, of all my, like, my film friends, I'm probably the most blockbuster friendly. I love me some artsy stuff. I love me some indie stuff. I think there's something like, like a lot of what we consider like fine art and great art, especially in film is stuff. Or we have to like really put work into either like having your own experiences like reflected into the piece or, or you're just having to like think through what it's trying to say, stuff like that. But I also think there's something like highly valuable to like the exact opposite. And what I mean is like art that instead of trying to like hone in on like a super specific frequency of an idea instead goes for the exact opposite where like delivering a simple base emotion at such like a high volume that's able to be as emotionally moving as possible to as many people as possible regardless of background or nationality. I think there's something like valuable there that's underappreciated by a lot of people I think and that's kind of why uh, at least in, in theory there's a lot of most blockbusters I don't think really achieve this which is something I think this film really does. I think this has to be one of the single greatest instances of filmmaking as like a big bombastic spectacle like it carries this maximalist like torch of big Hollywood epics like Ben-Hur I think I imagine like some film people might shoot me for that opinion but it's the right opinion so I don't care Ben-Hur is a blockbuster yeah who says it isn't you need to go on Twitter more often Maybe he doesn't, Tanner. Actually, you're right. Don't do that. <laughs> One of the only movies I can think of that really gives our run for this money is Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road. That's the only movie I can think of that really uh, competes with RRR. So, like, the filmmakers, like, they took, like, this, the narrative of, like, these real-life historical figures and they, like, took it as, like, a jumping-off point to make, like, this modern-day uh, mythology. Whether I think it's simultaneously part of my biggest praise, but also part of my criticism of it. I feel like I won't need to get into, like, the other things I love about this movie. I feel like you guys will deliver that just fine like I was talking with Tanner about like how many hats these performers have to wear and how like well they wear every single one of them also it's about the power of friendship so which makes it the best show in anime ever but <laughs> I'm kind of dancing around the one thing that like when I started look, reading about the movie that kind of like made me feel uneasy is like there's like some kind of uh, the politics not not so great I was reading like a lot of articles from some Indian writers critiquing the film and there is I guess the short of it is like in any of this rampant far right movement in the country a lot of caste suppression and also a lot of rampant like Islamophobia and that extends to the media and a lot of the film that, that gets made in India and there's a lot of imagery in this movie that that's also incorporated by a lot of far right groups in India that where it's like at best the film's being kind of just like careless and irresponsible with you know using the like for example I hate saying this but like it's the best hero shot of all cinema with the bow and arrow like in the light like and the on saffron the hand, orange wrapped around yeah, him like the yeah, national party the god like he's dressed as like Ram I believe it is like there's a lot of hate crimes against Muslims has been done in his name and stuff like that where it's like this is without that context it's so awesome with that context it just it makes me kind of uncomfortable because like at best like I said they're being just very careless using this imagery that's also used by like the far right and at worst they're almost they could even be dog whistling for all I know I it's, it's a lot of interesting stuff to read about I implore you guys to read about it um, there's also like some accusations because I know that uh, the character of Koram the um, kind of the the co-lead the water 
the hunter. Come around B. There is like some accusations because the real life person was like a low cast person and he's being played by like a high, high cast act- actor. So there's like some controversy discussions that could be had there. I've heard some people argue that like he's being he's portrayed as more like a undereducated, like oaf country bunkin type than like the real historical person was. Basically, I wish I could have had the, you know, the anti-colonialism without the, the ultra nationalism. This otherwise perfect movie. Everything it goes for it is perfect. It is the perfect blockbuster. Otherwise, back to you, Austin. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because we over here in America get to be in this fun bubble where we don't know that the actress who plays Sita was involved in this like crazy nepotism controversy thing yeah, where somebody this, fucking yeah. died or that that one politician who was like, we'll vandalize the theater because you showed Beam as a Muslim. It's important to bring this stuff up, but yeah. we get to be over in this beautiful place where we're just like, holy fuck, did you see him with the fucking chains wrapped around his arms? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right, Tim, you just recently saw the movie for the first time. How did you feel about RRR? So uh, I said I would do this on the group chat. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pull up my review on Letterboxd. And <laughs> He's doing a Joe Vrenick. He's doing a Joe Vrenick. I... I wonder what he's gonna say. This movie fucks. This oh, movie fucks! Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of like what you were guys talking about. Didn't really have the context, so I got to watch it in that nice little bubble. And I just thoroughly had a good time watching it. Like, the dance numbers, it's not really my thing in a lot of contexts. Like, I don't really watch movies for that. But, like, I did really enjoy it in this movie. Like, just seeing all of these Indian guys just schooling these white boys in a dance-off is just incredible to witness. This movie made me put, um, learn to dance on, like, my long-term to-do list. Like, take dance lessons. Rain's going to do the not to not to with the next guy who tries to oppress him. I want to force Gump with Rank and Versi, except instead of run, force, run, it's dance, Rain, dance. <laughs> the action scenes in this movie, like we've been saying, it's so great and it's approached in this way that you don't really see in like Hollywood movies. Like when they're in that one fight towards the beginning where Beam is in fisticuffs with that one guard and he fucking throws his arm into a deer's antlers. That's the coolest fucking shit ever. And then they keep going higher than that. Yeah. Like the whole like final battle set piece, I was laughing the entire time just in pure ecstasy and awe of what I was witnessing. Like mm. he fucking shoots the arrow and it barely misses him on the tree and then he fucking kicks it into his head. That was incredible. And then like the whole like setup and payoff with the value of the bullet. Like I, I loved seeing them in that final scene just like give him his bullet back. Make him keep yeah. it in his heart. <laughs> like that's such a good fucking killer fucking line. It's so good. Uh, movie fucks. Back to you Austin. God damn. I think we've reignited the fire. I think we've unleashed the water. Tanner, are you ready to talk about your feelings about this movie now? Yes, I am. <clears throat> Three words. Load. Aim. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I remember texting you both. So Rain, you weren't, I'm sorry. I was cheating on you. No, I assumed, I assume you're also talking to Austin. I was talking to both of you. Yeah. You made both of our days better, comrade. See, here's the thing. You guys would respond at different times. Mm-hmm. When Austin was active, Rain was away. When Rain was active, Austin was away. Mm-hmm. You had but, to change channels between commercial breaks. Exactly. <laughs> About 35 minutes in, I was like, oh, man. This is like already feels like an all-timer already with some of the stuff I've been seeing.
saying? And Rain's like, what do you think of the bridge scene? And I said, bridge scene? <laughs> and Rain is immediately like calling it an all-timer and he hasn't even got into the bridge scene yet. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, like five minutes later, the bridge scene happens and oh my god. First off, it's actually a secret train scene, proving that uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is the true masterpiece blockbuster that all movies should emulate. <laughs> Your blockbuster needs a train scene. Insert the clip from uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix or whatever that movie was that oh, had a train climax. No! <laughs> First off, I think uh, what Indian blockbusters succeed at and is better at than most American blockbusters is pure sincerity. American blockbusters nowadays are wrapped and buried under layers of irony. And don't get me wrong, I do like that to an extent. But when it's everything, mm -hmm. irony loses meaning when everything's ironic. Indian movies play everything 100% straight because unlike American movies, they don't fear the word corny. If anything, <laughs> they might just fucking embrace it. I, know, I love it. I love it so much. Do the physics of this movie make sense? No. The first set piece with the fire cop where he like does a couple of little hops and then flies 20 feet. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wire work. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's good wire work. Do the physics make sense? No. Do I care? Also no. Listen, that five minute sequence is perhaps some of the most effective copaganda I've seen in my life. Because quite yeah. frankly, it looked cool. I'm like, damn, oppressing people has never looked so cool. He oppressed a whole crowd so hard they went home. Literally, that's what happened. It goes kind of hard, not going to lie. I understand the fascists now. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. Um, Do we have a Tanner, oopsie, Tanner racism counter? <laughs> Tanner says something questionable counter. It's over 9,000. Yeah, there we go. But beyond that, every scene is played completely sincere, even though there's songs where it's like something out of like, you don't see it where the songs are just like, damn, what a situation we're in. What will happen? It earns it because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of silly, but it's cool. This is, if, if you were going to boil down what makes Indian blockbusters different from American ones, is that America blockbusters seem to respect being realistic. India cares about something else, and it's called the rule of cool. Is it cool? If yes, who gives a shit? That is George Lucas's patented rule, and he understands it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is the most Star Wars movie we've gotten in a while, if you think about it. Right, yeah. Um, the cops, um, the cops Vader, uh... Please don't, please don't try and make this a thing, Tanner. Please. The British white guy is... This is not <laughs> F9, please. We are the good guys. Me, I'm Luke freaking Skywalker. Really? Luke? No, I'm more of a Han Solo. You're Yoda. Yoda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I forgot all about that. Jesus Christ. The musical numbers are great. Um, you get the musical number where they show up a white guy, and then you get a guy being like, I won't kneel. Sing. And I'm like, yeah, that's some real shit. The midpoint of this movie where the hunter storms the castle with like 20 fucking wild animals <laughs> and the whole place is on fire and you're just thinking, wow, this is the halfway point. Yeah. Right. This isn't the fucking climax. This is the halfway 
point. That kind of set piece with that level of spectacle all and just jaw-dropping action, you would hope you could get something maybe 75% as good in a pretty solid, even great American blockbuster. But with this one, that's not the peak, because the peak is the climax with, like Rain was saying, the greatest hero shot of all time. And you know what? I get it. You, you know, if that's like a dog whistle, let me put it this way. What I'm saying is fascists know how to use cool imagery. We can't let the fascists ruin cool imagery for us just because they also know it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this is yeah. a very simple way of looking at it, but, you know, it's the kind of argument about how, like, you shouldn't freak out when you see swastikas used in its original oh, context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to shout out the two lead actors. Like Rain was saying before, the amount of hats they have to juggle, they have to portray great action blockbuster things, and a lot of them seemingly doing their own stunts. Beyond that, they have to nail the action man one-liners. They have to portray these emotions of gravitas with some dialogue that, quite frankly, again, if it wasn't played 100% straight, would come off as bad. A lot of characters in this movie directly say what's going on in their head. Like when the -hmm. hunter discovers that he betrayed the cop and the cop was trying to do a good thing as like an inside agent. Yeah. You know, Bush 9-11 kind of stuff. And (laughs) it just, it just came out of me I don't know but anyway he's like I betrayed my best friend and if your actor isn't perfect that comes off as corny but because he's perfect it comes off as great mm-hmm. for my money I particularly found Ram Sharan the one who plays the cop character mm-hmm. particularly impressive I give the nod to Ram only because he kind of had to play the double agent aspect of it for the first half before we revealed more about his backstory in the second half the man's and so charismatic it, that for a while you think he's just like this dog of the state just like this just stooge but then like you still love him because he's so charismatic yeah like you just you keep seeing Seeing him like doing these ridiculous workouts like he's even in prison just like that's the coolest yeah. fucking shit I love that when he gets poisoned his friend saves him of course and when he finds out that his friend is the guy he's been looking for mm-hmm. he seemingly wills the poison out of his body mm-hmm. and then starts punching a wall oh yeah overall though it's an absolute blast Ram Shawn is great I actually currently have him as my best actor of the year so far because it's a truly impressive performance I forgot about the one at the end. Movies need to end with dance numbers again, damn it. This is why the Dora movie was good. This is why Slumdog Millionaire was good. Yes! Alright, that's all. So, how I felt about RRR is it's almost like a magic trick that this movie never fails to top itself, especially considering that its opening scenes for Rom and Beam alone cost $5 million to shoot, which is higher than the budget of most fucking small Indian films, right? Just the opening scenes. Having seen a lot of blockbusters in my life, my greatest compliment that I can pay RRR is that it's completely memorable. On my rewatch for the pod, I found out that I hadn't forgotten any parts of the movie, so it's sort of like the anti-Thor love and thunder in that respect. Like, my usual distaste for musical numbers uh, in these things was completely subverted. Not only was it fitting when the musical numbers kicked in, but in those scenes, a music number was the most delightful and cool thing that could have possibly happened. The protagonist is getting tortured Psych! He sings in the government's face and starts a full-scale riot. As for the look and feel of, like, the numerous action scenes, the meat of the movie, they not only had the budget to pull everything off, but they employed a gleeful creativity that set the spectacle
spectacle apart from similarly huge Hollywood films as of late. I always figured that like one way to bridge the language barrier with for films would be hefty budgets that rival American blockbusters, right? Like after all, money buys you the same special effects no matter where in the world you're making the movie. But in research for this, I found out that a lot of the most expensive non-English language films end up being either like soulless state propaganda or just flat out bad for some reason. I think it's often the case because once the film becomes too expensive, they evolve into something where the artistic value becomes more of an afterthought. But this mm-hmm. wasn't the case with RRR. This film's record-breaking $69 million fucking budget was used to assemble a dream cast of actors who no other production could afford to have all in one place. There were thousands of stuntmen, VFX workers. This is the first Indian film to be shot on an Alexa LF, allowing them to shoot it in native 4K on the best type of digital camera the industry has right now. And best of all, RRR doesn't indulge in like the CIA influenced American screenwriting practice that depicts bad apples corrupting good institutions that we all know are actually evil. Like this film is about two dudes who kill the imperialist governor by shooting him in the fucking heart. That is refreshing to see. And yeah, this was a three hour epic. It was huge. So I'm sure there's lots of general discussion for us to have. Stay tuned to hear us shoot the shit about RRR right after these messages from uh, Hyundai or something. Bye. Toyotathon. Welcome back. Now it's time to open up the floor for a discussion about RRR. Anybody have any hot topics you didn't get to cover in your general review? I can connect this movie back to Thor Love and Thunder, which is the most disappointing blockbuster of the year. How? It is very easy. The guy that plays the governor plays Volstag in the first three, four movies. The Punisher was Volstag? What? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so therefore, this guy saw the writing on the law. Here's my theory. He requested his character be killed in Ragnarok so he could waste his time doing something better. He saw a vision of the future, and it was water and fire, and he knew what he had to do. Did any of you guys hear about the movies that influenced this, that Rajamuli, like, took his... It's some American ones, right? It was in Glorious Bastards. Uh, he When he saw the scene where Hitler it. was killed, he was like, what? I should do that. And then the other one was the Motorcycle Diaries, that Gail Bart Garcia Bernal yeah, film yeah. Uh, from 2004. I think they paid homage to the Motorcycle Diaries during the oh, scene. Yeah. Where they shot a flaming motorcycle into the governor's mansion. I call it the motorcycle fireies. <laughs> also, if some if some people tell you, oh, it, it hates this movie hates white people. They're incorrect. This movie's not anti-white. It is anti-British. There's a difference. It's very anti-British. Which to be fair, British are subhuman. Yeah. So I, I don't see. If a you're problem. watching this and you're British, I fucking hate you. Yeah. You're worse than Italians. Dude, this movie pushes the PG-13 envelope oh, farther yeah. than I thought it this would. This is PG-13? Yes, yep. sir. Uh, yep. I was thinking it was R. Nope. R-R. Oh! <laughs> 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 uh-huh. The fucking, they, they show a guy's finger blasted off, like trying to fucking shake his son's hand. The, yep. the amount of blood from every bullet wound alone would have gotten me to believe that it was R. Right. Because I felt like mm-hmm. it was like the correct amount of blood, which I usually don't see in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because, like, the, the MPA watching it couldn't give a rat's ass because it wasn't oh. an American movie. Because that institution has historically been run by very evil people. Oh, yeah. 
Thoughts on the rom-com aspects? Did, any, did everyone like cute. that part? It added something. It wasn't as strong as like the, uh, you know, the action parts or the dramatic aspects or the musical parts. But it was nice. It was the only part of the movie where I felt like the blockbuster aspect of it wasn't operating on the maximum level possible. That's true. There is definitely some American movies that do the love stuff better. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually because they're smart enough to not make love ironic. God knows they're going to find a way to do it someday, though. Yeah. Uh, wait. Oh, no. You're right. You're right on the mark. Oh. I hate it. They're going to fucking figure it out. You know, the, the only reason they haven't is they don't know how yet. The second best joke in the movie, though, is the uh, is the part where like she's like um, Jenny's like saying all this stuff. And then he's like, I, what, what you, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. Man. <laughs> That's so good. I did love how they couldn't talk to each other. Yeah. I do love that Jenny's in the musical sequence at the end because I felt like after the midway point, she disappeared for like over an hour. Oh, yeah. She gave him the prison blueprints. She helped him get that's, Rom out. That's true. I think one of the like earliest things I saw about this movie was like there was a tweet that was like, uh, the later in your movie the title comes up, the cooler it is. And like a bunch of people were bringing oh, yeah. it up because the title Mandy. comes in 40 minutes in. I was, I was definitely going to say, Mandy, that one throws everything it had at its protagonist and then shows him forging a fucking axe. And then the title comes up yeah. and hour 15 minutes in. So that is my favorite of that trope. But it, it went it went pretty hard here even though i'm not the biggest fan of a movie as a whole i think my favorite example in recent memory even more than this one of a movie dropping its title card a long way into the movie is drive my car Drive my car again i wasn't the biggest fan of the movie as a whole like unlike other people but i do think that title card drop goes hard as fuck Mm -hmm. so this movie broke a few records guys this was the most expensive indian production to date right and the rights it's only 75 million god damn yeah Mm -hmm. some people say 2.0 was more expensive but I think it might be this. The lists get mixed up. But the rights to the soundtrack of this movie were purchased by Lahari Music and T-Series for $3.3 million, which is the highest a South Indian album has ever sold for. It also debuted on 10,000 fucking screens, which makes it the widest Indian release of all time. And it ended up holding, this is a weird one, the record for the highest collections on a single screen of any Telugu film, grossing, get this, $633,000 at the Sertishan 35 millimeter theater in Hyderabad on one fucking screen they made over half a million dollars with just this movie that is like some Lion King shit yeah because yeah. Lion King back in 94 when it was in limited release was pulling like half a million a screen for that like weekend or two it was only in like two theaters in America mm. also I thought it was funny they had a like just some dude from the UK who was a stunt director for the climax scenes did you guys read about this no. What? There's this dude named Nick Powell. He's originally from the UK, and uh, he was he was like stunt director brought on for like probably those ending scenes in like the forest and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but before getting involved with Indian cinema as of late, Nick worked on hard hitting shit like Nacho Libre, my man, and Cats and Dogs: The Revenge of Kitty Galore. Like he's got his whole filmography, and those two are in there. Oh, okay. You know what? I want to talk about that ending dance number again. Oh yeah, what about it? Isn't it so fucking cool? I love how everyone gets a verse. That was like when like Drake, Eminem, Kanye, and all of them dropped on a single song. Remember that forever? Oh, yeah, yeah, from this like is like Indian forever. Twenty ten. You know, everyone gets a verse and it goes hard. I don't know if this is me being terribly like ignorant, but where was Gandhi? Like you see all those faces of the important people. Where was Gandhi? That's weird. I do. I don't want to. I didn't want to keep being Mr. This movie proves that Gandhi's wrong. 
Sometimes violence is the answer. I didn't want to be Mr. <laughs> da- downside more, but I did also controversy. I don't know how this is connected with Gandhi, but like a lot of the figures they did show, like it's like where they omitted like obvious, like it'd be like, like if we did like the whole ending thing and we did for like the American Revolution, if like they just omitted like a George Washington and Thomas Jefferson or something, like basically they made like b- huge figures that were Muslim. Um, and then like add figures where it's like, well, why would you include, why would you include this person? Why would you include? Right. What you just said, made something go off in my head about how like they were omitting details of real life. I just realized something. So this is a blockbuster film that takes aspects of a real life thing that happened around 1900, a little bit after, a little bit before around thereabouts, right? Of real life people and then taking these real life people's stories, messing with them heavily but turning it into a fun blockbuster. Guys, this is the Indian version of The Greatest Showman. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like 300 or something. Um, (laughs) No. 300 is isn't a real movie. I've yet to see evidence that it's real. No, but it's like the greatest showman with dance numbers and everything. I mean, it's way, 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 way better. As someone who loves the greatest showman, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, you are correct. There is a logical connection with what you're saying. I think that uh, that's both true. movies have a single great trait in common. They end with a dance number. Favorite dance number ending in a movie go. The Shrek uh DVD yeah. thing where they the Shrek's a good Shrek. one. Yeah, Shrek. Yeah. Ah, Shrek is a good answer. Leave. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. Now we're gonna move on to final thoughts on RRR. We're gonna start off with Tim. Um, it rules. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I'm going to make my girlfriend watch it as soon as possible. Excellent. Tanner. Uh, they should put that on the poster, what he just said. I'm going to make my girlfriend watch it as soon as possible. That should be the poll quote. <laughs> um, this is just an amazing blockbuster that hits all emotions on all cylinders. I didn't mention it earlier. I did cry at a couple of points because the pure emotional sincerity of either guy talking about the friendship with the other guy is beautiful. I just really like male friendship. It, are you... Fuck! We got one! Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, he's been yeah. holding it in just for now. I, I thought it might happen on Simpsons, and then it didn't. Uh, we finally got another one. Yeah, I thought it would happen on Simpsons, too. I, I always appreciate depictions of, like, unironic, true male friendships in movies that are distinctly male, because I do not think there is enough healthy depictions of that in media, and it's something that I value in my life, importantly. I want to see it reflected more in media. It's like my white whale next to autism representation that doesn't suck. Spoken straight oh. from the heart. Thank you, Tanner. Uh, Rain, <laughs> what are your departing thoughts on RRR? Uh, I, I know I, I had like the most negative things to say, but I still do uh, love the movie, even if like it's going to be a version of love where it's like words and all or, or what have you. I've never been so proud to have a name that begins with R. <laughs> and uh, I'll, just, I'll just blatantly rain, repeat rain, something rain. I said earlier. Like, hey, I'm like like what Tanner's saying with uh, just power of friendship. Uh, there's a reason I'm a sucker for for shonen anime. This is you know this is right in my sweet spot emotionally. Good time. Back to you, Austin. Thank you so much. RRR is the kind of film that you can't hype up enough. The reality of what it is is almost too mind-blowing to fully prepare yourself for. With any luck, this film will lead to a rise in the popularity of Indian cinema over here, but at least until Rajamuli's next film, it will undoubtedly remain the pinnacle of that industry's blockbusters. But do you know what else is an unsurpassed crowning achievement? You, the viewers! (laughs) 
If you are listening on any of the audio platforms, be sure to rate us favorably and tell your coworkers we're better than Joe Rogan. If you're watching on Spotify video, I hope you enjoyed hearing all the fuck bombs we dropped, uncensored. If you want to see this video in ad-friendly 4K resolution, check us out on YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we hope you enjoyed these expensive, crazy visuals before we naturally get a copyright block. Remember to hit us up on Patreon and donate to us so we can make the channel better. Donate $10 a month and we'll put your name at the end of the credits. Comment below and let us know. Do you like RRR? What are your thoughts on Indian cinema? What was the coolest part of this fucking movie? Let us know. Up next time on the Bomb Squad podcast, we're covering Jordan Peele's mysterious new blockbuster. Nope. Tune in then to see Monkey Business of the Fourth Kind. This has been the Bomb Squad podcast, episode 78. This is an unforeseen turn of fate, which has culminated in this friendship. It's still yet to be seen if this will end in bloodshed. Farewell.